Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I wanna collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Welcome to Stealing Beauty. We are Fat Mascara. I am Jessica Matlin. I'm Jen Goldstein. Hi. Uh, first of all, I want to give a very big thank you to all of our panelists who have generously um, offered to come here today. Uh, this is a very tricky topic, cultural appropriation and beauty. 
um, very sensitive. There is no perfect language for it, and it's obviously something that people are very impassioned about. So just want to say it's a safe space here. People should a say how they space. feel yeah. and um, <laughs> not worry about uh, walking on eggshells. Exactly. So to get started, I think we're going to all introduce ourselves. And I know this is really weird and un-PC, but because we're an audio podcast with thousands of listeners who can't see our faces, I'm going to ask you also to share not just what you do and who some of your clients are, but also your ethnicity and your race. If you feel comfortable doing that, it's sort of important to know for the topic we're talking about tonight. So, um, Mally, you're smiling away over there. Why don't you start? Say, can I pretend to be something else? I mean, I people mean, can Google you later, I, so. <laughs> so I better not. I'm six foot two Scandinavian. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, hi. Hi there. I'm Mally Roncal. I am, um, oh, I feel like it's like a dating site, right, <laughs> or something. I'm a, a celebrity makeup artist, and I founded a brand of cosmetics called Mally Beauty, um, I have worked, had the pleasure for many years to work with Beyonce, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Mary J. Blige, um, Celine Dion. You know, uh, been around the block. I'm actually 107 years old. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yes, and I am Filipino, 100% Filipino. Great. Thank you. Wow. Ursula? Ow. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ursula Steven. I am a celebrity hairstylist as well. Well, not as well, but yeah. you know. We've both been around the block together. And a salon owner. And um, I'm a black, well, Caribbean-American woman. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Alicia? Hi, I'm Alicia Yoon. I'm the founder of a Korean beauty retail site, as well as we have a couple stores called Peach and Lily. Um, And we also distribute these Korean beauty brands that we import into the U.S. to retailers like Sephora, QVC, Target, et cetera. And I'm Korean-American. I was actually born in Korea in the U.S. until I was 12 and actually moved back to Korea. And I was there pretty much until college. And my family still lives there. So I don't know. Some days I feel very Korean and other days I feel more American. (laughs) Um, And I'm Jen Goldstein. I'm the executive beauty editor at Mary Claire. So Goldstein's a Jewish name, but I'm adopted. I'm actually Iranian, part South Asian, part Middle Eastern, and about a little bit European. So I'm a big mix. And Jess? I'm Jessica Matlin. I am the beauty and health director at Teen Vogue. And I have um, an interesting mix of, well, my parents were born here, but going back a generation or two, Russian, French, Turkish, and um, people are usually shocked to find out that my grandmother is a Puerto Rican immigrant. Nice. Yeah. So let's get into it. You started off, Jess. Okay. One quarter Puerto Rican woman. (laughs) I'm a Puerto Rican Jew. Uh, (laughs) So we're here to discuss the topic of cultural appropriation of beauty, which has come up repeatedly in the beauty industry. And it's it's a topic that's come up um, constantly with our guests. just comes up really naturally. So this term wasn't used even a fraction as much in the past 10 years as it has within like the past 12 months. Why do you think that is, and was this something you've thought about during your career? Um, Ursula, I'd like to ask you to speak to that first. Sure, so um, cultural appropriation is a term that's really come, ac- come, a lot, come up a lot in beauty in the past like you know, year more than it has probably, I would like venture to guess, more you know, now than it has in the past 10 years. Why do you think that is? Social media. 
it's always been around. I just think it's it's a lot more in our faces now because we have that visual to attach with it. We have you know Instagram, we have Twitter, we have pin- we have everything to sh- to show us. It was always there. It's just now being talked about because it's so popular. It's, it's vi- the visual of it has become so popular. Did you think about that like all throughout your career, like seeing music videos or other you know contemporary shoots be like that's cultural appropriation? I I think when I saw it back then, I that word probably was non-existent to me in my yeah. vocabulary at the time. I think what I thought about when I saw other races doing things that my race is, my race has done for years and you know made it popular, I was bothered by the fact that when other races did it, it became so amazing and so popular, but we have uh, been doing it for so long and we didn't get the recognition. Right. So that's what I, I noticed when I watch videos and things. Like I see a girl, you know, uh, of another race wearing maybe hot pink hair or, or crimps or crazy. And it's like, oh my God, so fashion, so <laughs> editorial. <laughs> but then when, when, the, when my race did it, it was ghetto, it was ugly, it was horrible, you right. know? So it's, that's the weird part of it. Mally, you're nodding your head. Um, can you comment on that? Um, I well that 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 thing with that's so fashionable that was always kind of funny to me and you know uh, you know we were talking about this before before we started you know I'm uh, Filipino obviously I have like almond shaped eyes I've got the whole thing in the sense that when I was growing up I was the only sort of non-white girl in my you know in my high school in my and so like I'd have you know very sweet young girl saying like, oh my gosh, can you do a cat eye for me? Because you actually have one of those. Like, you know, and to me, I was never like, hmm, well, that's rude. To me, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of fierce. You know what I mean? Because growing up, being not really, you know, not having anyone to look to to say, hey, you're just like me, you know, it, it was actually kind of a nice you know, compliment, you know? Um, I mean, I think it's completely natural, right? I mean, living in New York in this amazing place and traveling all over the world, you see so many things. And when you're an artist, you can't help but be inspired, sure. you know, by what you're, what you're looking at and being attracted to it and wanting to see how you can recreate it. But I think, you know, you have to be obviously sensitive to where you're getting this inspiration and give credit where credit is due, you mm. know. I uh, agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why, do you think it I- why do you think it is that the beauty world um, seems to get called out more for cultural appropriation lately, more so than, let's say, fashion? Like, I think about designers like Isabel Morant or, um, you know, even like DBF, you know, season after season, to- Tory Burch, always using prints and stuff from motifs from another country and I rarely see the kind of like social media outrage that I've seen with beauty. Like why do you think beauty is on the hot in the hot seat right now? Alicia, what do you think? I think I was thinking about this question and I think beauty is ultimately I think very psychological. There's this psychological aspect to what beauty ideals are and how that empowers you. And so with fashion you know, of course, with any industry or any media platform or any fashion show, it's always a medium to express concepts and ideas and, you know, that are good or bad or hurtful or um, helpful in kind of progressing our dialogue as a community together. But I think with beauty, because it can touch like a very core part of you, mm-hmm. you know, like growing up, I feel like as a teenager, I always think being a beauty retailer where 
extremely privileged to be able to communicate to people about what they think about what beauty means. And we try to create a very safe space as a retailer when we're answering customer service emails and so forth because it's a very psychological evolution. When you're a teenager, you're kind of trying out a lot of different looks. You're going through a little bit more of an insecure phase and not even in a bad way because you're just figuring things out and you know you're, you have acne and all sorts of issues. You know, when you're more, when I look at my mom, who's in her 60s now, there are things that she can't say that I know she wants to say. You know, she still wants to feel beautiful. And sometimes, you know, I can see that she's a little bit like, I used to be really beautiful, <laughs> and I, you came along, and your sister came along. You know, it's <laughs> a tool. And you and ruined it. Yeah, and she, you sometimes you feel like you're not allowed to say that. Yeah. Um, so I think with beauty, because it's so psychological, when it's, really done in a way that almost it's like cultural misappropriation it can you know really it I think cuts deeper yeah. yeah i mean it's your face and your hair you can't really That's take it off you can't, that you was my point i was thinking about that as well it's what you are communicating with Right, so you're looking in somebody's eyes, and you're seeing their hair, and you're seeing their skin, and you're seeing, you know what I mean. And it's like a little bit more personal than you can take off that mm -hmm. top. You know what I mean? If I'm offending somebody, I could take it off. I can't rip my face off. A little more permanent. Yes, and my hair is dyed blonde, and I am not taking it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thinking about the thing that has been coming up lately is, at what point are we appropriating, and at what point are we just influenced or inspired by? So I just wanted to you two, Mally and Ursula, create looks on other people. Is there a personal gauge you use to know, hmm, this might have just crossed the line into not influenced by but stealing from like how do you decide you want to go well i've never really been in that position to have to make the, that type of decision you right. know but I, i'm a creative person so i i don't like barriers i don't like rules i just like to do what feels great to me and i i remember was it last year vma maybe i did a um a crown braid on iggy azalea and she got so much slack for it and it was like hello how your stylist is black okay <laughs> i did that and I thought it was amazing because yeah. that, you know, people didn't realize that the person that did the actual hairstyle was a black person. And I gave her what would what people would consider a black hairstyle because it was braids and it was a crown and it was all that. But I just wanted I just thought it came from a creative place. Absolutely. You know, and it I, I looks don't like to have restrictions. Do you respond to that? Like when people were, you know, tweeting about that, do you actually Oh she responds. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm a good girl. I do not respond. I'm bigger than that. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't respond. Yeah. I don't I don't feel the need yeah. to. Because I feel like everyone has their own opinion and they, they have a right to feel the, the way they want to feel. But this is my job and I'm going to make sure my client feels amazing and she loves her hair. Mm -hmm. So That's right. That's right. I am, you know, I'm the same way. When you're an artist or when you are coming from a place of purity and you're working with a client that trusts you and you guys have this rapport, you cannot put barriers. I mean, of course... There are lines that you can cross. I don't really know what they are. I think if you're, you know, you, you feel like, you know, you're insulting someone. But I don't see how, you know, if you are inspired by something, you're loving it. You're putting it on a pedestal. You're giving it an opportunity to put it in the forefront. If you have a client that, you know, is, is being seen by millions of people around the world, you're, you're, you're honoring that, you know? So to me... Um, I think that it's 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 a compliment, right. you know. That dovetails very nicely into um, the most recent example of 
you know, runway controversy. Uh, we wanted to break down this discussion a bit and talk about the Marc Jacobs look. So if you guys aren't bored of that yet. <laughs> um, so he sent down models with rainbow dreadlocks and you know, his inspiration um, and Guido Paolo, the hairstylist, the, he said that it was you know, uh, early 90s, you know, London club kids, you know, bubblegum goth. It was everything but, um, you know, African Rastafarians. American, yeah, <laughs> That's the problem that I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think it, I think it's so much deeper than an actual hairstyle. I feel like when when that hairstylist gives those type of references and say it's not that, mm. it's bullshit because it is. Dreadlocks is from a African culture, and I think that's what a lot of African Americans are upset with. They don't care. You can wear a wig if you're white. You can wear braids if you're white. We don't care. You know what I mean? I don't care. But they want that recognition. So you think that was like, it wasn't the problem, if I'm hearing you correctly, it wasn't the problem that Mark or Guido sent the dreads down. It was the misstep that they, that he didn't just connect that dot. Like he could have saved right. himself with right. one sentence. Right. Like give that, give credit where it's due. And let's not, let's be clear. Like, in the 80s in London, yeah. Right. Boy George and right. that, that's what happened. There are black people in London, hello. <laughs> like, you know, it, 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 it's true. Like, I'm sure that was his inspiration. But go a little deeper and say that it is from the African-American culture. That's where it really derived from, mm -hmm. you know? We didn't do maybe hot pink and blonde and all those things because that wasn't accessible to us at the time. But that's where dreadlocks are from, you know? So I think that's what a lot of African-American people are upset of. They don't get that that credit. And what about, we had some people on Instagram commenting, well, you know, those were Egyptian and Greek. And then in my head, I was like, and also I'm sure cavemen back way back <laughs> in the day didn't brush their hair and had dreadlocks of a sort. But is it that if it becomes known with one culture in the modern world, like you'd just be ignorant to ignore that that's an African-American hairstyle? Like, what do you say when people start nitpicking of like, well, let's really go back in the history of it? Is that beside the point? I mean, that's different because you know like like I said it, it you do have black people in London so it, it came from other places mm -hmm. but give credit to where it's due that's yeah. just how I feel like just give credit to where it's due and just really recognize where it's from and I, I realized that even I've done interviews with you know publications and they're like can you comment on this new look and I'm like they have this weird name for like a top knot or whatever and I'm like it's not that. It's just a top knot. You know, I, did, I, feel, I feel like they're just getting bored and just running out of different names, and they want to <laughs> they want to make it seem like it's something different. Yeah, that's our that's our not, fault as beauty you're editors. Not, <laughs> you're, not, you're not you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not doing right. that. It is what it is. It's dreads. It's, it's you know, it's dreadlocks. Come on. What was troubling to me though is that so many people, you know, before the show barely had even ended. The show before the show even began, actually, but in that time between. You know, people reporting on the look and you know sending each other pictures and the show starting at 2 p.m. or 2:30, people were calling you know such terrible names like it was this very kind of yes/no binary. He's he's a horrible person, you know. Or and there was people hadn't even seen the show and they hadn't even they, they just jumped very quickly to right. conclusions. It was like this trial by tweet, you know. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think as artists creating something like did that frighten you at all? The artistic censorship yeah, of it, yeah. That you are be afraid in the future to maybe do something and push the envelope. Yeah, some people, I told them that I was like, okay, you know, the look was, you know, cyber goth, and I was like naming some references that Guido had thrown around. I was like, oh, you know, like kind of, you know, Perry Farrell or you know, Linda Perry from just these, these early '90s icons, and they were like, they had their faces went blank. Like, 
they just jumped so quickly mm -hmm. on the bandwagon, whether or not he was right or wrong, and I completely agree, you know, he hung himself with that by not right. making that connection. Mm -hmm. It was frightening how quickly mm -hmm. people yeah. will, you know, say yes or no. Well, that's, I mean, again, that's the world, to your point, that we live in now. D does it scare me? No, it doesn't scare me. We're still always, we're at a certain point, you are who you are. You put yourself out there. Look, it's, we were talking about this in general, just the way social media, which, you know, we all have a love, little bit of hate relationship <laughs> with, right? Because you can't, like, take a dump without somebody commenting, <laughs> right? And that's the thing, you know. But, but again, you put yourself out there. Right. I, I haven't done that right now, <laughs> so, so you know. But you can't, you can't, but in the same breath, as artists, you also do ask for it, right? You crave that, right. you want people to say yes, Oh, I love that, <laughs> what you did, right? So you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, wait. But, but at know? least they're talking. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But you cannot be af afraid of that. Right. You know, you can't be afraid of that, or then you die a little bit inside as an artist, you know? Right. And Alicia, you as, dealing, as a retailer and running some social media accounts for your brand, you have to be extra careful. Do you have a policy at all of like whether to engage or not engage when you, either people are getting insulting to each other? How do you deal with that? So definitely... If we see people, and we actually don't see this too much in our community, but if we see people really being offensive with each other, yeah, um, and we find that one person really is kind of harassing somebody, and they're like doing it from a fake account, you know, we'll like we'll actually the trolls, yeah, we'll actually block them and <laughs> yeah. make sure that we continue to create a safe community. If they're saying something directly to us, we address it. We we are definitely not afraid to. Have you gotten any sort of comments like that? No, not actually on this topic, mm -hmm. um, but we are, I think, because it, Korean beauty, I think, is a little bit of a different topic. I sure. think that the only time I feel that there's been a little bit of sensationalism or things taken really out of context would be like when I get, I don't know, interview emails or people are like, what's the craziest ingredient in Korean beauty products? And I'm yeah. Like, Korean beauty products are so much than yeah. just that. Um, but I would say with our customers, we actually don't receive a lot of that kind of vibe mm -hmm. because we focus so much on empowering them with knowledge and the whole context around it. Right. But I do think that whether it's us or a designer or an artist, I do think that we, it's very idealistic to say it all exists in a vacuum, but the reality is it, do it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I do think that, you know, there is fortunately or unfortunately a bit of a responsibility with anyone who has a public forum to think broader about like the cultural context. And I think it's honestly complete like nonsense if someone's like, what about if you go into the history of this and it belongs to the Greeks? Because we're talking about as people generally understand culture. Right. So in the broader cultural like, context. Don't nitpick. Yeah, and also in the social context, if there are things that are very blatantly, unfortunately, still there isn't this, you know, racism still exists. There are still issues that are not resolved that right. are really relevant. Mm -hmm. And to then just say, like, 
yeah, but in this one regard, we're just going to nitpick and go, you know. You, you can't do that. The overall it, it brings up the topic of ownership a bit. So, for example, when we saw the Mark Jacobs show, here we are two white girls wanting to talk about it on our podcast, and then we realized, well, are we even allowed to say if it made us feel uncomfortable? Because it wasn't our culture technically being appropriated. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think it's okay for anyone to call out something as inappropriate or at least say, hey, let's talk about this, or it, it, it's, it's the people who are... Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X, and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less. They're $39.90. But the quality is excellent, and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, 
when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's good. Joanna Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lattes in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just <laughs> going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. Feeling offended that should have the right to say it first. Like if, yeah. I mean, we could use the Mark Jacobs show as an example. I mean, some of the first people to write about it probably weren't African-American. They were like white girls at refinery wanting to get clicks or something. I don't know. That's a tough one. I I, I personally don't feel like I own anything. Right? I I don't own a cornrow. I don't own a weave. This is not even my real hair. You get what I'm saying? I don't own a damn thing. Right. What am I supposed to do? You're happy that the conversation got started no matter how it got started. Like, I don't own it, you know? I embrace it because it is part of my culture. But I like this, too. Right? I like, yeah. I like straight hair, and I like Asian I hair. I like, I like to be bone straight someday. You like all kinds you know? of hair. You know, so it's like, I don't know. I don't know. You're not offended if someone else speaks for you on that topic? No. Mm-mm. As no, long as it's being brought up. Because guess what? Because you can be a white girl mm-hmm. and have grown up in the deep, deep mm-hmm. south, and you might be blacker than me. Right. So you can speak about it if you feel like it. If you feel connected <laughs> about it, then you can totally. go and you can speak about that. Yep. If you feel offended, that's your that's fine for you. That's right. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I know white girl. I know I know some black girls that are so white. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and like, real. I'm like, where did you grow up? You know what I mean? <laughs> and some of them they don't relate to the right. average black girl. So it, at this point in time, it's no longer. Really it's not about a race color. thing. It's a culture right. thing. It's not a yeah. Yeah, So mm-hmm. I'm staying out of that one. I don't own nothing. <laughs> Look, I've had people come up to me as, um, you know, uh, as an Asian or Pacific Islander or whatever, who I was born with black, shiny, straight Asian hair. I have no eyelashes. These are glued on. <laughs> my hair is dyed. There's some pieces in there, too. Um, I, I, you know, my skin is not this brown. You know what I mean? And I've had people say to me, ooh, you have three daughters. And do you feel like you are saying to them that you're not proud of who, who are these you people? are? I know. Get a fucking like life. Oh, you can cut that one that. Up. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, you know what I mean? And then, uh, first of all, none of your business. Second of all, no, I don't. Because this amazing, incredible world that we live in, where you can, yes, go onto the internet and see incredible, beautiful women of all 
you know, races and men and the whole nine yards. We don't, I don't care. You know what? And if my daughter says to me, I want to have blue dreadlocks, you know what? I'm going to let her have blue dreadlocks. I'm going to tell her where did it come from. I think it is. It's about educating. Mm -hmm. Educating because it is important that we know where all these amazing looks come from. And that's just history. You know what I mean? So if we think about it like that, then yes, it's about knowing where your influence comes from and appreciating it and giving it the credit that it's due. Um, that leads me to my next question. I mean, I think you've kind of already half answered it. So, you know, the the Mark show kind of, you know, that stirred up some questions in me like, do people kind of want each other to stay in their lanes? Like certain designers can't reflect this or, you know, does it kind of put borders up? But you're saying if your daughter, you know, wants blue dreadlocks, then, you know, so it goes. Do you think this is where we're going now? I mean, I wonder, it's, I felt like, you know, Mark is a very, and I I'm not bringing it back to Mark to like beat a yeah. dead horse here, but it's He's just a, good, a good case study. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's our case study. It's there yeah. you Mark go. is our case study tonight. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know it, but he is. Um, it's and here he is. No. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, it's a very, like, he's a very liberal guy. Fashion industry is a very liberal idea. And it, 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 it frightened me to see kind of the walls closing in. Like, this person can't reflect that. This yeah. is, this, this, you stay in your lane. You stay in, I don't have to agree with what he did, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I'll kind of, it's, a, it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but like I'll defend his right to do it. Right. So sure. where do yeah. you guys stand on that? Staying in your lane. I feel like Mally's not going to stay in her oh, lane. Hell no. Staying in no lane. Honey, I, I, own, I own, no own all lane. these lanes. She's these are all my lanes. Exactly. I got everything. It's all mine. We're swerving. <laughs> Alicia, what about, what about you? Right. I think, so definitely I think mixing lanes is great. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that I am really, I, I, I cringe when I see like Asian representations, I don't know, like an Asian woman made to look super demure and like, I don't know, like things in her hair, like chopsticks in her hair. No one does that in Asia. <laughs> you know? So that is not, you know, like if you're going to go in that lane, yeah. you know, try to understand that lane and be up, like understand the authenticity of it. And, you know, totally fine if somebody wants to have, you know, some Korean inspiration and hanbok derived colors, you know, but if that's reduced down to some very strange stereotype, you know, that then bothers me. And I think so it's almost like, I'm sorry, it, it's almost like good art versus bad art. It's like not even about being political. It's like some stuff's cringeworthy and stupid. And that's not, yeah, stuff like it's it's inspiring. not even real and inspiring or compelling yeah. but to anyone. You do bring up the topic of exoticism, which is something that's a little bit different from cultural appropriation, if I understand it correctly. But basically, that's taking a type of woman or race and just like going there to the nth degree, just like exoticizing it. Like, let's put the Native American girl with like braids and let's stick chopsticks in the Asian girl's hair and, you know, some tribal makeup on the dark skin girl. Do you guys think that is as dangerous as cultural appropriation? Like when you see a fashion spread and you're like, of course they made the black girl wear that outfit or of course they made the Asian girl like have the red geisha lip. Does that bother you? A lot, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I think especially for me, um, maybe because I grew up, my formative years were spent in Korea. When I came back for college, it, it was like I, I really noticed it. And it was so weird to me. So American media does do that a lot. Yeah, especially, I mean, I don't know. There was, like, a whole incident back then where, like, Urban Outfitters with this, like, weird shirt. And, you know, there's, like, a lot of instances where 
you know, if you're not used to seeing that around, you know, Korea is pretty homogenous. There's mostly just Koreans there. So seeing, I don't know, Asians represented that way. And I was like, what does that even mean? There's so many different Asian countries with very, very different cultures. And so, yeah, that bothers me because I think that really simplifies things and objectifies that culture Mm -hmm. and like lumps every culture together just from Asia. Um, So, yeah, I think that is not, it, it gets pretty dangerous. It seems like it almost bothers you more than the cultural appropriation in a way. It doesn't bother you, Ursula? No. No. I don't I don't see, I don't see if I look at a, a magazine and they're doing a spread with different cultures or whatever and they're you know embracing my culture and the black girl has an afro braids, I'm not upset with that. Mm. I, that's our hair. You know, if I see it, if they, if it's an Asian girl and they decide to do like you said chopsticks, I have no problem with that because when visually you think Asian culture, you think that. You think chopsticks. You think, you know, you think, you think African-American culture. You think braids, cornrows. You think those things. So if, if it's a spread and it it's makes sense, I have no problem with it. Now, if you're making fun and now it becomes right. negative, that's different. Right. Then mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, because I really, I decided to look up the actual book meaning of it racial appropriation. That's yeah. what it's called, right? And it just basically says one culture embracing another culture mm-hmm. it doesn't say anything negative and not beating just them down embracing it mm-hmm. so if you feel like you want to wear cornrows but you're not wearing She'll cornrows and you. making fun of cornrows Please why do should well. I have a problem with you wearing cornrows right. you're just embracing my culture that means you like it so you if a girl comes in you. Right. back so from Jamaica like sunburnt with freckles and her cornrows in I think some Kardashians even did this Nothing recently. Nothing wrong with that because when you go to Jamaica, the Jamaican girls are like, come, let me braid your hair. They want to yeah. do it. <laughs> if you've ever been to Jamaica and you're on the beach, <laughs> the Jamaican are going to come to you whether you are white, black, Chinese, or whatever you are, they are going to ask you to braid your hair. I'd be nervous Because they love now. their culture and they want know. you to embrace their culture. That's why yeah. they're doing it. Yeah. And, it's, and they want the money. <laughs> they want the money. That's you know what I mean? Fine. So it's like... Go ahead, Alicia. Really get upset. So I, I think that's like that. fine. Like, I think yeah. if there was a representation of, like, an Asian girl, like, looking just genuinely, like, whatever is, like, the red lips doesn't bother me. The chopstick and the hair, like, that kind of thing bothers me. Because that's Cause we use them to eat, not to put in our hair. Yeah. Nobody in Asia walks around with chopsticks in their hair. Like, there's, like, hair pins, but we right. don't put chopsticks in our hair. So it bothers me because I feel like people get really misinformed. Like, mm. nobody uses that as hair pins. Right. And so, you know, a black girl with braids in her hair, I think that's one thing because, you know, it's, they d- it's a real thing. But I think as long as it's, like, authentically and accurately represented. Do your homework. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I like that. Um, okay, so talking about um, Alicia, I want to ask you something. <laughs> um, when it comes to products, does it annoy you when you see U.S. companies blatantly rip off basically what you do, which is, you know, you are the K-beauty, Korean beauty authority. Is this a pet peeve? I have, like, a very, like, very conflicting feelings about it. On the one hand, it's very frustrating because I feel not personally annoyed, but I feel for these Korean beauty brands that came up with that innovation first and they spent so much R&D money on it and they poured their heart and soul into it 
And then a new Western beauty brand or just like a different Western mm. beauty brand will make something exactly the same. And usually actually with like a formulation that's a little bit different where it might not be as effective even. Mm. And then there's no at all. I mean, of course, I understand the commercial reasons behind it, but there's no even like nod towards where it, you know, originally came from. Yeah, mm. that's shady. Um, yeah, so that Mally, like wants to like jump saying what she's saying what I'm developer. saying about yeah. about dreadlocks. Yeah, you just like feel like give the credit where like yeah. same thing. Like come up with your own in, in innovation. Right. If you're not going to at least, you know, mention like this is inspired from, you know, the innovations we saw in Korea or it's it just it's definitely but then at the same time, you know, there's a sense of pride that I'm like, wow. Korean beauty is super innovative, and people need to look there to come up with different inspirations. Right, because you can't think of your own ideas. Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, like when but BB creams came out, yeah. like I was like, anybody going to say where they came from? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that was the thing, right? It was everywhere. And, you know, I and feel just like... just to clarify, BB creams BB came creams from Korea. Korea. Yeah. Did they? Well, so apparently... There's some... There's there's some, some I've heard Germany too. Yeah, I don't we know. Heard Germany from the, from a, from someone the other day. But so it was but Germany in the sixties. But then it was reformulated. Oh, the expert here. Oh. What, so what is it? Okay. So I actually met the guy who created BB cream in Korea. We are doing our homework. Okay. okay. We, have, we have to make a phone so call after this. He he got his inspiration from this formulation he saw in Germany in the nineteen sixties. But then he completely changed it and sort of re rethought, reimagined it. But he Did he appropriate credit. it? <laughs> so I was he influenced by? This is where we get tricky, right? I think that it was great because he actually re is very open about it. Mm. He's like, I was inspired by this thing I saw from Germany that's no longer really in the market or that, you know, I, I think it's no longer in the market. Um, and so he's very open when he talks about that. Um, and the company themselves, you know, they're in media and so forth, you know, they tell me, yeah, we're very excited about this fact. Also, because Koreans, I think, you know, think it's it's Germany, the technology, they respect mm. the technology coming from there and so forth. Um, and so th it's more that when it came to the U.S., it was just, you know, all that history is gone. But, you know, I do think technically, you know, maybe it, it kind of depends on how he describes it, but the formulation is actually pretty different and this Got guy it. completely invented that well let me give you another example because copying a product is one thing but there are some companies that have made their name on going to other cultures learning their beauty secrets coming back to america and bottling them um, for example there's hair companies that have gone to just tribes in amazon and found the oils that they use they come back here they charge like 60 dollars a bottle for it um, Ursula, you're not you're the hairstylist here. Have you seen that happen? And did you ever think, hmm, that they should probably give back some money, or they might want to like give credit where it's due? I mean, you know, it's easy it's easy to say that, but how how do you physically do it? You know, it's like saying if a, if I walk down the street and I see a black girl wearing braids, is she supposed to bow to me every time she's a black girl? Walk? You know, like how like how do you do it? You know, right. I don't. I, I can't really answer it. You some know, of these they have the money. That's why they go there. They, they have the, the mass. They right. Because some the money they can do that. You know. I, I I don't know. Maybe they can. Maybe employ the people that are from the country and get them involved. I think some That's of those a companies great way to do it. You know. Do. In theory. Yeah. In theory. In theory. Yeah. You know, like how do you really do it? I right. don't. I don't have the answer. 
Mally, as you've been developing products, do you ever go somewhere and see an idea and want to bring it back and worry that you're... No. Well, first of all, I try, uh, again, being Filipino, I... I mean, I don't have to go far, right? I look to my, my grandmother and my, my mom, and you know, I look at how I grew up, and I get a lot of inspiration from that. Um, but you know, I won't get, that's another podcast about people taking your products, but we won't go into that right Ooh. now. No, I'm just kidding, uh -oh. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> but uh -oh. you know what I mean? As a, you know, independent <laughs> for, you know, 12 years now, Mally Beauty's been around, and. There's been many times when I, you know, and I sell my products on TV, right? So I'm constantly telling the story of why I created it and how it came about and blah, 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 and X, right. Y, and Z. And then, you know, you look in the, you know, newspaper, you know, six months later and you're like, what? You, you know. see a product that looks a oh, lot like that your product. That is exactly, mm. and the story is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Again, same idea. I, you have to think of it as, you know, you're, it's, it's a compliment. You know, mm -hmm. salute, you know. Um, we're we're sort of wrapping yeah. up here, so yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about America in general being a melting pot. So everybody says, "Oh, I don't." America is a place where we don't need to see color, and we're all the same, and everybody's equal. And I wonder if each of you could speak about a. It, do you agree with that, or do you think that's a helpful thing, a place for us to go, or do you think it is good that we are different and that we talk about it? Alicia, you wanna you wanna start with that? One quick aside, sure. I do think though that I can't get too annoyed about brands, you know, knocking off Korean products because also Korean brands do the same thing, mm. you know, mm. the other way around. I think it's just like happens in the beauty yeah. industry. Um, so as an aside, no, totally goes both ways. So do you think um, we'll be in a better place if we're all like we're all the same? It's a melting pot and we're melted together fully. No, I think that it's great to preserve individual, you know, heritages and backgrounds and cultures, and I think that's really beautiful. And when that's done right, it just, you know, one plus one is greater than two in those cases. <coughs> um, but I don't think that, you know, America feels totally like a melting pot to me yet. I think in the urban cities, maybe coastal areas, but, you know, different places in America, it's not quite there yet. You know. I'm Asian, there's so many Asians here, but sometimes I'll go places and I still definitely get like a stare when I walk into a Starbucks, you know? <laughs> and yeah. so I don't feel that quite yet. Um, but I do think that, you know, the goal also isn't to just become these more, you know, just there's, everyone is kind of one and the same with, I think there's a certain um, pride and joy that people can have about learning about each other's differences and heritages and embracing that and how it all works together. Yeah. Ursula? I'm hopeful, but I'm realistic. And I feel like we're still <laughs> we're still fighting racism. So who knows? I would love for us to be all in a melting pot. And I think that's great. And I agree with you. You know, everybody should still, you know, embrace their individual cultures because we don't want that to die out. Right. Mm -hmm. But we also have to embrace the fact that new cultures are beginning. Everybody's mixing in the world, black, white, Asian, everybody's together. Mm -hmm. Too many mixed kids running around. It's like we have to learn to work together. We have to. That's exactly my point. You know, I, I, I agree with that a thousand percent. I 
again, have three little girls. I am married to, you know, a white South Carolina, his words, not mine, redneck, mm -hmm. okay? <laughs> and we do lots of things. We, you know, I cook Filipino food most of the time, but you know what? I had to learn how to make mammals, chicken and rice, because <laughs> oh I'll tell no. you right now, my <laughs> girls like to eat that, okay? <laughs> so we are always, you know, and we as parents, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm never getting invited back, sorry. <laughs> but, um, sorry, silly. But, you know, um, and, and, and we mix this family, and we tell them that, you know, mommy's side is not better, daddy's side is not better. I whisper sometimes, mommy's side is <laughs> better. But, um, exactly, thank you. But, you know what I mean? And, and, and um, when we go, and this is not beauty necessarily, but when we go down south to visit, Mama, and they say, can we wear our cowboy boots? And I'm like, of course we can, you know, and, and we need to embrace it. And beauty-wise, again, we're so blessed to have so many different influences. And, um, you know, like Ursula said from the get-go of this entire thing, it's about respect at the end of the day. And if you respect it and you honor it and you hold it up and you say, you know what, we are so lucky that we live in this world right now, we're even allowed to express ourselves, beauty-wise, fashion-wise, you know, the way we speak, whatever. Um, it's amazing. So, um, yes, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm realistic. But um, I'm going to do everything, as we all are, that we can to really make this truly a place where we can all be free. All right. Well, hopefully uh, this is the start of a lot of dialogue and a lot of conversations to come. I want to thank all of our pa panelists here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much, guys. Thank um, you very much. And you can go to fatmascara.com. We'll put up some notes from, from this podcast and links to all of their sites so you can check out their work. Hire them to do the covers of your magazines Yay. and advertisements. <laughs> and, um, and, we'll, and we'll go from there. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We mentioned a lot of products and people and places and brands and things in this episode, so I just want to put it out there. If you want to find out where any of those things are, go to fatmascara.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and at fatmascara for both of those things. And you can also contact us directly by emailing us at info at fatmascara.com. So profesh. So profesh. Thanks for listening, guys. 